Welcome to Investor Talk Radio, hosted by Kurt Davis. During the show, Kurt will share tips and strategies as well as guest interviews on how you can become a successful real estate investor. Kurt Davis was a former chef for 11 years until one day had the opportunity to take a leap of faith, left cooking, and became a full-time real estate investor. Kurt has been building his personal portfolio of rental property and at the same time has helped over 500 investors around the globe purchase cash-flowing rental properties. He is a licensed realtor who has achieved multi-million dollar club status, and he is also very active in the local real estate investment club. And now, here is your host, Kurt Davis. Welcome to another edition of Investor Talk Radio. I am your host, Kurt Davis, and today joining me in the studio is none other than Alex Craig, the owner and founder of Memphis Turnkey, as well as CB Property Management. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kurt, for having me back on. Man, listen, I know uh, your time is very valuable and you're very busy, so I appreciate you coming in. Um, wanted to bring you in here because uh, you know one of the one of the topics among investors it seems to be uh, of concern and especially you know I, I know that you do a lot of management for out-of-state investors so it's even more critical on this aspect but I guess I'd say kind of the the topic or the title of what our talk is going to be about today is uh, I'd guess you'd call it my home is about to be vacant what next does that sound pretty accurate yeah absolutely I mean and it should be a concern I mean single-family investing the number one thing that makes you money is that tenant in the house you know, it's not like multifamily commercial complexes where you've got 40 units and you've got 37 other people paying your mortgage. So, you know, vacancy, and you know this, you've got properties, you know, 15 or so, however many you have, but you know that the vacancy kills the cash flow. Absolutely. And especially if it's a first time investor and this is their first property, they're going to be even more nervous. Uh, I don't want to say scared, but they're just going to be more nervous, a little more anxious, and they're going to want things to go smoothly. So, you know, if I were to if I were to start off this, I'd say, you know, how much of a notice would you say a tenant needs to give before move out? I'm guessing in your property management agreement, there's some written language about that, correct? Yeah, in the lease, the tenant's supposed to give us 30 days, and most of the time they do. Every so often, you know, we don't get that notice, but in a perfect world, and I'd say 95% of the time, we get a 30-day notice uh, from the tenant. What would you say happens if they do not give a notice? Is there is there some sort of automatic lease renewal? Well, if they don't give a thirty day notice, then typically they're not going. There's no release renewal because they're moving out. So what we have to do is call them up and say, "Hey, look, according to your lease, you got to get a thirty day notice." Um, and by you not doing that, it goes to a month to month. If it was at the end of their lease, um, so like a tw- eighteen month lease, and you know. Two weeks before that lease was done, and they said they're moving out. We would actually say, "Hey, no, you can't do that. You need to stay an additional thirty days. Give us the proper notice." And now you're on a month-to-month lease, and actually now the rent's a hundred dollars more because our lease says when you go month-to-month, that's a hundred dollars more. Well, so we push that on them because more than likely they're going to move somewhere else. Um, we operate in a space where our average rents for the property management company are higher than nine hundred dollars, so they're concerned for their credit. Most of the time, they're you know they. They know they're wrong. They stay, but that's what you do. You got to push it back on them to, you know, follow the procedures. Otherwise, you know, we, you know, it's possible that they could face a judgment. Uh, with your experience in this uh, particular area, what would you say, maybe from a percentage-wise, of how many actually give the proper notice? I mean, well, yeah, like it just, you know, it's about ninety-five percent. Most okay. of them do because most of them, 
you know, they're, they want to go somewhere else to live. Um, you know, they might know that there's going to be a, um, you know, when they move a lot of times a property management company will send a, a, a rental verification saying if the tenant, you know, did they follow all the procedures? And if they don't give a 30-day notice, we would say no. And that's a red flag when you're trying to lease again. But most of them do. Do you guys have any type of uh, notification in your system that notifies you? You know, say the tenant forgets and they're not really paying attention to when their lease is coming up. Is there some sort of a notification in your system that says, ah, so-and-so's lease is about to come up. We have not heard from them. Maybe we should reach out to them to see if they want to stay or if they're going to go. Yeah, we do. Um, 60 days out, our software notifies us when the leases are coming up. So the way we have our structure within our office without getting into the details because it is very detailed we uh the girls in our office or the individuals in our office they actually make a incentive for lease renewals you know their whole deal is you know they're, they're getting to know the tenants this entire 18-month process the tenants have one point of contact and we've got several individuals in the office that fill that role so in theory they've developed a relationship with the tenants are so 60 days out they call mrs smith hey look you're 60 days out we want to go ahead and lock them in for another 12 to 18 months at that time. So very rarely is it a surprise that somebody says, oh, we're moving out. But every so often, I mean, as you know, there's always something in property management. You know, there's not a cookie-cutter right, way to write, you know, to do this business. So most of the time when somebody's not giving us a notice, they're breaking their lease. You know, so they're in an 18-month lease. In month 14, they say, all right, we're moving out next week. And we're like, no, you can't do that. And that's, that's kind of where that comes into play when we don't get a notice. Do you have an idea, before we move on to kind of like the next question here, do you have any idea as far as what your renewal success ratio is? I, I don't know that. Um, one of the things, we just did a presentation out in California. We were invited guests for a very large group. And one of the things we're focusing on this year is metrics. Um, you know, average credit scores per neighborhood, income, demographics, married, single, uh, income, and then you know one of the demographics. How many lease renewals? Uh, we do eighteen month leases. Uh, we get a high. All I could say is it, it's a very high rate of renewal. Um, you know our homes are very nice. I don't think there's they can move and find a home for the same price that's going to be as nice. Uh, so it's very high. If I had to guess, I don't know eighty percent. Sure, and, and that's a very good ratio. Yeah. So okay, so now the tenant has given their notice. Are you guys able to start marketing the home? Yeah. You know, as soon as we get that 30-day notice, we want to start, you know, the wheels go in place. We have procedures in the office of getting that house rented out as quick as possible. So typically, let's just say they give a notice on the first of the month that they're moving out to the 31st. We'll wait until the 7th to market it online. The reason we wait till the 7th, because you do have some people at the last second looking to move. And so we kind of wait till everybody's moved um, and then... Because it's just a little bit harder with the tenant in place, the house isn't ready, so we don't feel a lot of calls that people are ready to move immediately. Because believe it or not, you would think, all right, I'm, you know, you're you're moving. That you you think about this a month or two, but you'd be surprised how many people wait to the last second to find their house. So, you know, kind of a long story short, we wait till after the seventh, so we don't get a lot of calls of a house that we can't show. So on the seventh, we list it online. Um, what challenges usually present? when trying to rent out a home with a tenant still in place? Because do you guys put, for example, you guys will advertise online, like you said, but uh, do you put a? Do you guys have the ability or permission to put a sign in the yard? No, we don't put a sign in the yard because, uh, you know, we don't want them 
I mean, constantly people are nonstop looking in the windows. That's just not a good situation. But we do it online. So we market it online. It is a little bit trickier with a tenant in place. So, you know, the tenant's got to be cooperative. If you think about, like, you know, me and you are selling our house on the retail market, obviously we don't care and we expect not to be there and people showing our house and mm-hmm. other realtors showing the house because um, we want to sell that house. Really, for the tenant, there's really no incentive for them to have people in the house when they're not there. So some of them are really against that, and we're really kind of against it too. So we, we have to set up appointments because we do want the tenant to be there. The last thing we want is, hey, we, you know, we showed the house while the tenant was at work, and then we get the phone call the next day, and they're Louis Vuitton, right. Rolex. and, and My pro- diamond ring was yeah, stolen. The Prada purse is gone. So, yeah, we, don't, we want somebody to be It's like when we do property inspections. We want people there especially if there's minors in the house too. So uh, it's a little more work involved. We got to work with the tenant. Hey, when are you going to be there? And then we gotta, we've got to line up all the appointments. So if we got five people that want to look at the house, they all got to look at it at the same time, which is, you know, there's some juggling going on there. So sure. it is a lot more work, but I mean, it's in everybody's incentive. It's a win-win for the investor when the house rents out, obviously. Your vacancy short if you we can run out immediately after the tenant moves out for the property management company too you know we collect a percentage of rent based on what we collect sure eight and nine percent of zero is not very profitable so we want to get somebody in that house absolutely um has your guys management company ever offered or thought of offering any type of incentives to the tenants to you know keep the house clean and, and be receptive and open for when the the property manager wants to do a showing well yeah you, you know I thought of that idea and said, hey, you know, why don't we offer these? You know, I went back to the investors and said, let's offer the tenant $100. So, hey, look, keep the house clean. Let us have, you know, car blanche ability to show the house. And we'll give you $100 if we rent the house during, you know, we get a lease agreement or a, a reservation fee while you're in here. So that sounds like in good in theory. And on a couple occasions, like three weeks later, somebody moved in the house. You know, they, we got a reservation fee after the tenant. And the, the former tenant called and was like, well, I saw that you rented out the house. You owe me $100. I'm like, well, no, 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 hold on now. Not exactly. We said if we – during that time you were in the house, and they just said, well, how do you know? So it was kind of a he said, she said. Sure. And we just forget it. You know, just uh, – Sounds great in theory. In theory, but- you know. But just like anything else, you know, there's always a couple, one or two people that screw it up for everybody. And uh, this just became too much of a, an issue. Uh, one lady was really extremely mad. Uh, had no reason to, but no. So we just we just work with the tenant. Either they will or they won't. Sure. So. Um, all right. So okay, here we are. The tenant's last day has finally come. Is there a walkthrough process that you conduct? And when I when I say walkthrough process, do you have somebody from your company who does an actual walkthrough with the tenant there, or or do you guys do it without the tenant? No, we we want the tenant there. Um, and tenants should want to be there. And this is, I just found this comical. I mean, sometimes you just can't understand the the mindset of people. So if we walk through the house without the tenant, basically we could say whatever we want to say and we can mark it up and say there's $5,000 in damages, change the lock, tenant can never go back in the house, and then we could file a judgment on them. And we've never done this. We never would. But I'm just saying in a, in a hypothetical situation, this is why the tenant wants to be there. Then we could claim all these damages. But it's sometimes they, you know, they, they move out and you can't ever get a hold of them again. It's like they, they, you know, you call their phone that's been turned off. It's like they've disappeared. And these aren't people that have trashed the house. These are people that, in theory, you know what I mean, like should be able to get a deposit back. So we, we do want to uh, walk through the house with the tenant. 
so that we could say, hey, here's your move-in list, and you know this is what we see moving out. So most of the time, you know, more often than not, it's just normal wear and tear, which is that's what you know upfront fees and deposits are for. But every so often, we have a situation where you know the tenants following you around, and they're like, well, well that, that scratch was already there. Like, well, we don't have it noticed, and it just comes like kind of a pointing fingers again. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad I don't have to do it. I've got some great people in the field, but it does become emotional when people are we're saying you broke this, and they're saying they're not. We've got documented evidence, so uh, we should just do a written list. You know, it's kind of like when you rent a car. You walk around and you say, "There's a ding in your door." We walk into there's a scratch on the floor. Well, now we got this new app. Well, we go around and we take pictures of all the water running, the toilet flushing. I mean, we take probably 50 pictures for every move-in, and you label them: living room, dining room, bathroom, and then we compare those pictures upon move-out of what it looks like and it's now there's the pictures there within the app the tenant signs that when they move in those move-in pictures so there's really no there shouldn't be any arguments so, sure. but yeah we do walk through we want we want them to be there and uh, do that process with them what happens if there are damages to the home and i'm not saying you know just like the little nicks and stuff but like you guys do your walk through and there's holes in the sheetrock and you can tell that it's yeah. damaged just more than wear and tear yeah, so, you know, you what you want to do is you want to go after the tenant. So, the, you know, you walk through the house, you show the tenant the, uh, hey, this is what, you know, there, there, these damages are made. And here's your, you know, then we'll send them a letter. We Hey, here's your bill. bill was $2,000, and either they pay it or they don't. At that time, it becomes a decision. You know, do you go to court? You could certainly go to court and recoup damages and get a judgment. Um yeah, I know you had Douglas on the show last time, and he talked about, you know, with evictions, you know, sometimes collecting is not always, you know, you get that judgment, but you don't always collect. And it could be the same thing with moving out. So we've been successful uh, collecting on judgments, but sometimes you just got to make that judgment call. And, you know, if they've just started a new job or they're moving out of town, you've got to make that decision. Is it worth spending the money? To try know? to recoup the yeah, money. Yeah, so if it's like $700, you know, and you got to spend a couple hundred dollars to recoup it, and so you come up five hundred. You may or may not ever get that. So something that we've done in the past for success is say, "Hey, look, you get a thousand dollars worth of damages." You know, let's. I tell you what, give me five hundred, and you know, you always start high. We won't go to court. Stay off your credit. Judgment to be you know next time you move or you know transition into a homeowner that you won't have this on your credit. So you you, you come to a number personally. One of the houses I did was about a thousand dollars in damage. We settled on two fifty. I thought, you know what, two fifty is better than nothing. Now I don't have to go to court. But that's a discussion we have with the investors. You know, sure. you, you don't want to get emotional with this stuff because it's easy. I mean, this is your house, it's your money. But sometimes you got to make the, you know, just kind of like the cash for the keys. You hate giving somebody cash when they're not paying you. But sometimes, just like they didn't, you know, they damage your house, but it's money in hand. You don't go to court and you get it immediately, as opposed to maybe never getting it at all. Sure, sure. All right. So now the management company has just completed the move-out checklist with the tenant. Uh, the house is officially vacant. You guys have the keys in hand. Walk me through the steps of getting the house rent ready for the next tenant. What do you guys do now? Yeah. So you know, we've got to get the house ready. And tenant moves out. I mean, even. For tenants that take good care of the house, there's still things that need to be done. I mean, in, in this business, only one time in seven years, and this was early on, 
the the uh, the tenant and said, I want my entire deposit back. So, you know, this is when we're smaller. I drove out to the house, and you know, I'm thinking, all right, well, we'll probably be able to give some of it back. Literally, I mean, the guy had gotten polyurethane. He probably spent more getting the house back to the original shape, and he might have given it back to us in, in better shape. Sure. And I think he probably spent more than what the deposit was. But anyway, so. Um, you know, what we do when the house is vacant, we got to get it rent ready. So we have a project manager. His name is Alejandro Natera. Fantastic uh, background, years of construction. And what he does, he goes out there and just evaluates the house. You know, do we have to paint the house or can we touch up paint? By touch up paint, we're not saying here a spot, there a spot on the same wall. It's we're going to paint this wall, but not that wall. So we come with a very detailed list broken up by how many gallons of paint we're going to use, what our labor is going to be. And it's a spreadsheet, and, and it, you know we're usually down to the you know within twenty or thirty bucks of what it's going to cost. So we put together that uh, rent ready estimate, and we send it off to our owners, and have them look at it. Know they have questions, and we put them in DocuSign. We make everything easy for investors. We do as much in DocuSign. So I know everybody's busy. Pull your phone up. You know you look at it. Click click twice, and then it comes back to us. Um, and then we basically get started at that point. Uh, typically, we could have a rent ready done in two days. And I'm guessing by this time you guys already have the sign in the yard, and it's obviously being advertised online, yeah. correct? Yeah, so if actually if we back up a step, you know, the tenant moves on the 31st. What we tell and what we guarantee to all our investors, we'll meet the tenant out there on the 31st and get our pictures. Within 48 hours, you'll get move-out pictures. Then 24 hours later, you'll get the rent-ready estimate. So within 72 hours of the move-out, you get pictures, and your rent-ready estimate. Now, if that investor gives us back that document that day, we'll have the house ready, and we guarantee within seven days, even though we usually get it within two. So in a perfect world, you could have the house back on the market, sign in the yard, pictures on the Internet within seven days. You know, if everybody does what they're supposed to do, the investor's got to be very responsive. The tenant's got to meet us because there's been situations where we move out, the tenant has moved out, and they don't meet us, and then they've changed the locks unbeknownst to us. And then we got to get the locksmith out there, and that's a day. So, but in a perfect world, we keep the house on the market in seven days. Sure. Now, as an investor, you know how long how long do your investors expect the house to be vacant for? I mean, at this point, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and it's kind of a loaded yeah. question. Sure. But, you know, so how long? I, depends on the investor. I think some of them expect, uh, you know, a couple of days. But and in, in the reality is. I, 30 to 45 days. That's normal. But, you know, during the holidays, that could happen where a vacancy could be extended. You know, we've had houses that look fantastic, and you think, and this thing's going to get rented in no time, and for reasons you can't explain, it just doesn't rent. And then we have some houses that we manage, that we've managed from, you know, other people have brought to us that, you know, we wouldn't take these homes on anymore, but they're not in great shape. And you think, this place is never going to rent, and it, and it rents in a couple of days. But in theory, about 30 to 45 days, that's about an average. Um, one question I wanted to ask you kind of, kind of briefly is that in regards to your, you're putting together the, uh, the make-ready repair list to send to the investor to look at. Um, in, a, in, a, in a probably a normal scenario, the investor looks at that list, agrees, signs, so that your company can get these repairs done quickly. What happens if the investor doesn't want to make these repairs or they don't want to make all of the suggested repairs of what what do you typically find when this scenario happens well you know it doesn't happen i mean we've never had anybody i mean most of the properties we manage are individuals that we've sold to so they understand they're professional investors 
Uh, they've got a financial stake. They've put 20 to 25% or they've used their IRA or they've paid cash. So we really haven't run into that situation. We've had a few during the process of just owning the home, be really resistant on making repairs. But if that situation were to happen and they were like, well, we don't want to do all this stuff. Well, what we're actually recommending, it's really the bare minimum. It's get it clean, make the repairs that need to be repaired. That It's not an optional. You know, I mean, if a toilet's running, you got to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, if your you know, um, fence has fallen over, you've got to fix it. So if that situation happened, we'd probably just agree to, you know, part ways. You know, we don't want to work with investors that don't want to do the right thing because ultimately, you know, most of our investors are out of state. If they're out of state and they want to do the bare minimum and not have the house ready, it really kind of wastes a lot of time in my office. My leasing agent's got to show a house that's not showable. And then, we, uh, then we're set up for you know, somebody moving in and things being broken and then calling the BBB or, you know, calling code, negative online reviews. So we're only really interested in working with people that want to want to own the property and do the right thing. That's And you know, too, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the only way to make money in this business. If you're, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm not saying that just because you want to do certain things, you're a slumlord. But if you want to have that mentality, you're not going to make money. Sure. It's not. What do you guys do on, on the marketing aspect of, okay, now the now these repairs are, are have started, obviously – Sign in the yard is one form of advertising. It's probably one of the better forms of advertising. But what else are you guys seeing? What are, what are you utilizing for marketing? Okay, so yeah, the marketing is really important. You know, because you know, I think sometimes there's this. Um, you know, there's a lot of renters in Memphis, and that's great for us. Uh, but sometimes I think there's this mentality or thought process that there's this large field that we go out to, kind of like. You know, hey, we we need somebody three two uh, 1,800 square feet. You know, we got any, anybody that needs that, and they just come to us. And that's just not the that's just not the case. I mean, you've got to go out and present your properties. You know, with a lot of renters in Memphis, there's a lot of competition. Just like when you sell your home on the retail market, what have you always wanted when you're trying to sell that home? You want your home to be what desirable, desirable, nicest on the block. Absolutely, rental is no different. So we use online marketing to present the house as best possible. So wide-angle lenses. Um, a lot of the properties we sell or all the properties we sell, we have professional pictures taken that are photo-enhanced. So uh, we present the property incredible. It looks great, pretty day, nice-looking yard, landscaping. Now, land, by the way, the landscaping is important. You want to landscape the front of the house, but that's kind of off-topic. But uh, so the marketing, we write up creative marketing paragraphs, calling out you know separate living room den, old bronze fans, brushed nickel, uh, large open kitchen with granite countertops. You know, so we call out the features of the house, whatever those may be. It's, al- it's almost as if you treat the rental property as if you're advertising it like it's for sale with the enhanced photos and, yeah, the, and the better descriptions. Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, you're if I've got a, a house for rent. You know, in the today's climate of hedge funds, largest buyer in America, they've you know they've more renters, you know, millennials choosing to rent more than than buying these days. Then you want to present your house as best possible, and it works. I mean, I'm just you know, I know it works. And one of the things that we've recently done, and we're working on some of the SEO for us to be uh, presented a little bit, you know, uh, higher searched on Google. We uh, excuse me, we bought the domain MemphisRentalHomes.com, which that's obviously probably a very searchable term. So we just bought it. We're kind of tweaking with some of the website stuff. So that'll even give us more of an edge on the online marketing because none of our competitors are doing this. I mean, go to Craigslist and you see crummy pictures, crummy write-ups. 
And now with some of the SEO, I think it's even going to give us a, a better edge of online marketing. Will this be a site that you guys put advertised homes for rent on, or will it just be something that brings renters well, to you? Right now it just points to our current website. Sure. I don't know enough right now. Jeremy does a lot of the marketing mm-hmm. for us. Um, so we're working with a SEO guy right now. And this year, probably in the second quarter, we'll be building a new website. And all of that will be, uh, I'm sure, figured in. But uh, something else I think we're, we're looking heavily at, and I've got a meeting later this week, or I'm sorry, early next week, is doing a commercial. Not something you're going to see on TV, but some online through uh, like so certain media, local sure, media. Sure, sure. You go to their website, and it's you know on a little sidebar, have a little video you click on, and it's going to be drawing people All to right. uh, some make, making like an online commercial, professional commercial. Haven't seen that one yet. Yep. Well, you know, <laughs> we try to think outside the box, you know, just as well as I do. There's a lot of competition in Memphis. Absolutely. And you don't want to be a me too. You know, me too is just like anything else. They just fall right in line. You know, you want to stick out and be different. Absolutely. Now, you know, getting close to kind of wrapping this up here, I wanted to kind of uh, touch base on the tenant screening process. You know, what do you? What do you guys do for tenant screening? Are there any types of incentives or, or ways that you help get qualified tenants into homes faster? Because, like you said, there's, you know, there's a higher percentage of renters in Memphis, meaning that there's a lot of tenants, but there's also a lot of homes. How do you help that with the tenant screening process to get rented quicker? Well, the tenant screening is really important, and you know that. And just because the property management company, like I said earlier, you know, we, we make our money on the management fees. So 8% of zero is not profitable. So there's a, a thought process in some of the social media, bigger pockets type stuff that property managers want to get somebody in there so they could pay the rent so they don't screening. They get a lease up fee and that couldn't be further from the truth because you know that, you know, being in the business and being local, that dealing with a tenant that doesn't pay the rent, the resources spent of going to court, which we don't charge for, um, you know, it's just extending out uh, four or five months if they go into bankruptcy. So we want, and I always tell my investors this, you know, you're in California or Australia, Singapore, New Zealand, wherever you're from, you don't have to deal with a tenant. You know, you're, don't, and that's what we do. So, Really, for us, we want the tenant to be just as much. I know they got a financial stake, and you know we want the company to do well. We want our investors to be happy, but we don't want to deal with the, the, the drama either. In a perfect world, we place the tenant, they pay the rent, and everybody's happy. So yeah, we do all the, the the things to screen them because, like I said, we want one a good tenant just as much as the owner. Background, criminal background, credit score, current Memphis Light Gas and Water bill. Uh, rental history, job income, and my favorite that we've done, and we've actually turned people down to social media background check. You'll be surprised what people will put on social media. I've turned down people smoking weed that I've seen, uh, flashing gang signs, just, uh, you know, we've just, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we've, uh, we've literally, I mean, we've people put their whole life on the Internet these days. Why? I have no idea. So they put the good and they put the bad, and we've done social media background checks, and we've denied people based sure. on. Sure. Uh, no, one of the ones was their current place, and it was like you know this is you know he had announced that this was his place, and you could look at the kitchen; it was trashed. I'm like, I'm not going to rent to that guy. So social media is actually a 
a big thing of what we do is their background check. Is almost everybody's got some sort of footprint somewhere on the internet. Sure. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I hope it's okay to bring this up, but I think it's kind of a, a unique feature that your management company does that I don't know if any other management company does or, or none that I've heard of in regards to uh, a tenant security deposit. Sure. Do you want to touch base just a little bit on that? Yeah. So we actually – we didn't come up with this idea. We do the reservation fee into the deposit. So a deposit is something that a tenant gives a landlord or property manager. They hold on to it, put it into an escrow account, and upon move out, they're entitled to zero to all of it back, depending on what the house looks like. So we did the reservation fee, which is non-refundable. The tenants, we'd let them know up front, hey, this is non-refundable, and you're not getting this back. And then as soon as we get that, we pay that to the investor's income. So instead of us holding it, you get it right away. Um, where we like this is we don't have to hold the escrow fee, and and like so, you get to pay it right away. But a couple of times, we you know we hear people say, well, doesn't that doesn't give them very much of incentive to take care of the place and you know, kind of my response to that is, you know, whether you're getting that money back or not, it's not like, hey, I'm not going to kick my foot through this door because I want this deposit back. So you're either going to take care of the place or not. Part of it's just kind of your character. Uh, part of it is, you know, what your, you know, just your mentality of you know, what you want your home to be. Now, all that being said, now most people ask for a full month of security deposit. The reservation fee is a half month. So where I think that gives us another leg up is, like I said, a lot of competition. Now we've got the best-looking house on the block, and now the move-in cost is a little bit cheaper. So if you're looking at two homes, apples to apples, and you've got our home, looks great, rents $1,000. Across the street, looks great, rents $1,000. But they require a $1,000 deposit where we require $500. Uh, you're going to come to us. And I think that does help reduce our vacancies. <laughs> and what does every one of our investors have to pay every month on the 1st? They pay the mortgage. Correct. So would you rather hold out an extra month, maybe, for that extra $500 deposit, or do you want to get that tenant in their pain? You want to get them in their pain. In their pain. How many of your tenants uh, roughly go with the non-refundable as opposed to wanting to put down to try to get money back later? Well, we don't let them know it's an option. Okay. But every once in a while, and I say literally every once in a while, We'll have a tenant say, well, I don't want to pay a non-refundable deposit. You know, I want to, you know, or a reservation fee. I want to be able to get it back. So then our response is, all right, you could, if that's the case, you could pay a, a full month deposit. And as soon as they hear that, it's like, oh, okay, well. The half, the, the, the non-refundable doesn't sound yeah, so bad. Yeah, the half, you know, yeah, they, they take that. So nine out of ten times, that person that didn't want the reservation fee, when they hear it's half off, they take the reservation fee then, Every, every so often, they, they don't care. They want that full month, and they'll pay it. And that's actually a good thing. That's when you know, like when somebody agrees to pay a full month over the half month, you know that like you've got the slam dunk in theory with a tenant. Sure, sure. Well, listen, you know, we're about to wrap up. I think we've covered quite a bit of information regarding kind of what at, at least we know what your company does in regards to when tenants are moving out and the whole process behind, uh, in all reality, really within a, within a seven-day process or less of what you guys do to get a home ready to go. Is there anything else you think that's uh, important for the listeners out there to know regarding this? No, you know, like I said, it's we've talked about earlier. It's all about getting that tenant in the house. That's the most important part of single-family investing is that tenant. So 
a combination of a 30-day notice, be able to market it, uh, getting everything back on the market in seven days, with, you know, like we talked about in that perfect world, more often than not, then you'll have your house rented within 30 to 45 days. And if you're doing that, we do only 18-month minimum leases, very highly successful getting renewed, you'll make money. You know, you'll, you'll make money in that, um, in that scenario. Keeping the, tenants in lo- keeping the tenants in long term and renewing their leases is probably the single most important uh, aspect of an investor's success. Yeah. Got a good tenant, take care of them. Absolutely. Well, listen, how can, uh, if somebody out there wants to get a hold of you regarding, you know, having their homes managed by you, how can they get a hold of you? Okay, you can call me, 901-848-9028. That's my cell phone. I've got it on me all the time. You could email me at alex at memphisturnkey.com, or you could email info at cbpropertiesmemphis.com, and uh, we'll get right back with you. Well, Alex, I appreciate uh, all your expert advice today on the tenant uh, move out move in situation here okay. until next time uh, we'll have you on the show again all right well appreciate it kurt being back on the show awesome well this is going to include uh this episode of investor talk radio until next time we'll see you then this show was produced by kurt davis and kurt davis all rights reserved to reach kurt davis you can find him on the web at www.kurtdavisonline.com or email him at kurt at kurt everything you heard on this show should not be taken as personal or professional advice you should conduct your own due diligence opinions or comments of our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of kurt davis or kurt davis 